Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Happy Friday or Wednesday or Monday, whenever you guys are listening to this. We are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. And today we have Trevor Thompson with us from Massive Capital. Trevor has tons of experience as a limited partner and then has transitioned to an active partner as a GP on a few few syndications. And so we're going to hear from Trevor on that transition. Um, Trevor, I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks for having yeah. on the show. Yeah, I'm very excited. So a little bit about my background. I'm originally from Niagara Falls, Canada. Um, always was somewhat interested in real estate, but like everybody else, afraid of toilets, tenants, and trash. Um, then I actually started my last job with a company called iFly Indoor Skydiving, and they gave us all a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad at one of the team meetings. And I did what so many people do. I put that book on the shelf, kept living my life, working, you know, doing what everyone else does and uh, didn't get involved in real estate. And then we did get bought out by a private equity company and I got this big tax event. And I thought, hmm, I remember learning about this. I'm not gonna be silly twice. So really started investigating real estate. Once I found the syndication model, I was hooked. Um, you know, it was eye-opening to me that it was basically, I was buying into a business that was buying a real asset with a real management plan experienced operators and I never thought of any of that and you know being entrepreneurial and business my whole life it just made sense to me and so I was hooked and uh, as I mentioned I've been in 22 deals all in the last five years um, two of those now is active but uh, you know super super active as soon as the light bulb came on nice man I love it so th- I- I'm going to take a step back there because uh, that's awesome that you worked at iFly we actually have one of those here um, in, in the Seattle area down in, uh, yeah. I think it's Renton or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it actually originally was a franchise location and then our company bought the franchisor out and interesting the parallels to multifamily syndication or so, so mom, operator, you know, not using systems, not using business practices. We came in, we bought them out and took over the operation. And we did everything you do in a syndication. We brought some CapEx to the building to fix it up. We brought some systems. We bought improved management. And in our business, we tracked EBITDA, which is almost the same as NOI, and managed to grow it within the first year 30% just by, you know, and so so many of the things, and I was the one who took it over actually and spent quite a bit of time up there. So, so many of the things, once I figured that out, were so transferable it was amazing that it's it wasn't that foreign and uh you know i wish i'd have figured it out earlier but yeah and for everybody who's not familiar with iFly it's basically a uh um parachuting right parachuting yeah, or so uh, indoor skydiving so indoor skydiving there you above, go and it yeah. sucks the air up through the flight chamber and it's so realistic in fact we sell it to militaries for training mm. um oh, 50% of the flight time is actually professional skydivers training for competitions mm. and when i was with the company i actually opened 46 of 80 locations around the world wow. in 20 years when i first started we had 16 employees and at our heyday we had 1000 worldwide Very um, cool. it was an amazing journey it really was 
Yeah, I uh, I did that at one point. I think it was uh, it was a long time ago, back when I was uh, I was still dating. I think I took a date there, and that was uh, that was that's a good dating experience. If you guys want to have a memory with a date, go to iFly. <laughs> and sadly, women mostly fly always fly better than men. It's quite interesting. It's just <laughs> really because they're they're flexible so that helps a lot Mm. plus as men we think the harder i work at something the better i'll be and it's the exact opposite the more you relax and let the wind do the work um so it's quite interesting that men you know and then once they start failing they start working harder which makes it even worse it's kind (laughs) of interesting but it is a great day yeah absolutely well that's a that's a cool background I, i love that you came from there um but that's kind of that sounds like that was the springboard that you used to get into real estate um you that's had that correct. you know that that windfall when you uh when you got bought out there and which gave you a nice little capital cushion to uh to start to invest in other projects and you arrived at um at real estate what actually got you you know what got you interested in um syndications to begin with why didn't you start you know a lot of people start with single family um homes they buy yeah, you know to be honest it terrified me right to me you know my theory was i always i can't even find a good contractor to fix my house why do i want to make <laughs> that a job yeah. um and and i and i listen to people and i listen to the horror stories and it's what kept me out for so long cuz i just i i just didn't understand it right and i was afraid of it and when then I found out I could invest with people that knew what they were doing, um, had, you know, done this in the past and had proven business plans, I went, well, hold on a minute. That changed my whole dynamic. And 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 it just, you know, because single family, I got a friend. He's got 118 single family homes that he self manages. What? And he's now actually a partner in my second deal I did and switching up to the multifamily space. But and he did that in four years. Jesus. In what metro? Um the central Texas metro. Not much in Austin proper, but suburbs and you know down. Yeah. yeah. To self-manage that many single families, that is this man must he is a he's a superhero. That's all yeah, I can say. Two families, they do it together and yeah, it's very they 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 definitely are switching to multifamily model for sure. Yep, absolutely. Um, so you got in to syndications because you wanted to kind of join someone who had the experience. Love that. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, if you have capital to invest, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but for someone who has a W-2, they've put aside, you know, $50,000, $100,000, and they want to invest and gain the experience from somebody who's been there. I love the syndication model. I love, you know, the limited partner model because then you can actually put your pro- your money into a project and see something go full cycle, which is, you know, there there's so much you can read, but it until you actually see it done, it's not going to land. You're not going to really understand what it takes to complete a deal. Um and it sounds like you've done 22 of these and how many have gone full cycle at this point? 6 of them have gone full cycle. Um Six. Okay. Yeah, six have gone full cycle. And they're all multifamily. So one of them in there was a land deal. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I'm very diverse. So I actually have um, two land deals, one new build multifamily construction, a retail center in Plano, Texas, a medical center in Mesquite, Texas, a single family home in Central Texas Fund, and a new build storage in Charlotte. So I diversified into a few asset classes um, just to kind of spread the risk out. Most of, 90% of my stuff is in Texas. I have one investment in Arizona, one in North, one in South Carolina. 
and then one yeah and so so because again i live in austin so i i like to be able to see what i'm looking to put my money in yep yeah that's uh it's good to be diversified especially um sounds like you're diversified not only locations you're also diversified in the asset type itself um which is great i heard a storage in there uh, i focus on self-storage and so i love to hear that i'm hope that yeah, one's going yeah well so yeah it's a, it's a new build just outside of charlotte 700 units um, so it's a big one, but it's in like a really fast growing area that didn't have like the small ma and pa type stuff. So they went in there with a big one. It should start leasing out in the next couple of months. It's just being built now. Very cool. Um, so let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into the details of being an LP. Um, you know, there are there are so many syndicators out there, so many guys doing deals, um, trying to raise money from uh, from limited partners like yourself. How do you go about actually deciding which partner, which uh, which general partner group to go with? Um, do you do it based on project? Do you do it based on track record? What is the uh, kind yeah. of the underwriting you do for your projects? Yeah. So first of all, you need to just understand the business itself a little bit, right? Get self-educated, start attending. And so what I did was I started attending a lot of webinars and seminars. And then I started going, oh, I like that guy. Let me follow them. And whenever they were on somebody else's meetup or they were a person at an event I went to, I made sure I connected, you know, a couple of them authored books. So I read their books and followed up. So I did a lot of research on the who, because I think the who is the most important part. So the way I describe it, you want to bet on the jockey. So the jockey is the person that's running the deal. The next thing you want to do is bet on the horse. And the horse can be the asset class, right? So multifamily, and again, multifamily, I'm from land acquisition all the way to, you know, they bought one that was just built, um, that deep value add, minimum value add. So I'm in all the different spaces, but you pick that. And then the third thing you wanna pick is your track. And your track can be where, and it can be very big, right? So Texas, Arizona, Carolinas, Florida for me, because landlord friendly pro-business states, um, with a lot of job growth, a lot of other metrics to it. But then the track also gets very micro, right? It's this side of the highway to that side of the highway. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, we all talk about the wrong side of the tracks. Well, it, it does happen, right? There are properties that are a mile apart and one's on the right side of the tracks and one's on the wrong side of the tracks. 100%. So absolutely. That location, you can get down to it. But the most important is the who. Then you wait. So, for example, I found a who. I knew I wanted to do storage. I passed three multifamily deals that the who presented to me. And then they presented a storage unit. Then they presented North Carolina in my target area. And in fact, Charlotte, because my brother lives there in my target area. So, so now that's a business trip. Nice. <laughs> and so I call that the trifecta, right? The triple, the grand slam, right? So I, I found a who. I knew a what. And then all of a sudden the where and all of the stars aligned. And I I spent 18 months getting to know this person and just looking at deals that they've been doing. Again, I wasn't in a hurry. I had a lot of things. And sometimes you're going to miss, right? Because you've only got so much liquid cash. You're going to miss a deal. But don't worry about that. They keep coming. That's the beauty of this industry. Uh, there's more deals out there than there are people to invest in them, to be honest. And so just you know, wait for that. Those things to align. Absolutely, and I like the. Uh, I've heard it kind of presented this way before, but I really do like the um, the horse track, uh, you know, method or um, method that you use to kind of 
gives some color to it. So you say invest in the jockey first. That's yeah. the the highest priority that you give when yeah. you're doing your your LP underwriting. Um, and then the jockey would be the the general partner, the the people that you're actually investing with. Yes. And then you go on to invest in the horse, and that is the actual asset that you're investing in. Are you investing in multifamily? Are you investing in self storage land? Whatever it is, you change. And even your... within that, there's all diversities, right? There's deep value add, the new build. I mean, it's a big, it's it's a big variety. Um, and for me personally, I did enough investments. I wanted to kind of be in all asset classes, right? So I started out mostly C value add, which is the you know where a lot of people start out. And then I went to an A plus that was just built and they bought it and, and you know, bought it from a developer and going to do it. And then a new build A plus. And so I tried to be a little bit because I did so many. I didn't want all of them in one asset class. So yep. even in the track, I picked several tracks, right, um, that I was going to go on. So when, uh, you know, I own um, mobile home, RV parks and self-storage. And so I know how to underwrite those very well. But when it comes to something like industrial, retail, anything like that, I don't know. You know, my underwriting is not as good as somebody who actually is engaged yeah. in those uh, those properties. And so do you teach yourself how to underwrite each specific property so you can uh, verify the GPs, you know, what they've done, the work they've done? I'm going to verify- tell you my deep, dark secret. I'm no good at underwriting. <laughs> but I'm really good at reading it once somebody else has done it. Do, I, I made enough mistakes at the beginning to value, look at it, right? Like, like find research the income of that area and say, okay, can these people living within a three mile radius afford what their new rents are going to be? One mm-hmm. of my first passive investments, they said, oh, we're going to raise the rents to this. I didn't know enough to think through it. And then all of a sudden I realized there's no way. We're going to hit that because you want to be three times income, right? So Mm -hmm. if your rent's a thousand dollars, you want the person to make three thousand a month, Um, you know, and they were going to push the rents up and the people in that area didn't make that much money. And so that wasn't one of my better investments. And uh, so you want to make sure you, you know enough to understand it. But a lot of people get, you know, you can get once you find somebody you can trust and even better if they have some track record of what they're doing. Um, you know, and I know other people that underwrite them like crazy. Um, and the deals I've been active, all the partners, they're, they're the experts, but I can sniff it out pretty quickly with all the years I've done it, but I'm, it's not my gift. Um, yeah, no and then worries. storage, but you know, storage, I just took a shot. Right. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to get in storage. Um, I liked the deal that they presented, it was a very interesting deal. So a lot of, and I don't know how complicated you want to get, but their deal had what I call a very aggressive waterfall. So when they doubled my money, it went to a 50-50 split. And a lot of people go, oh, that's really greedy. And I'm like, no, baby, double my money. Come yeah. on. <laughs> double double, money, my double money. money, right? <laughs> I, I want to win, right? You want a deal where a sponsor is going to do really well if you do really well. Yeah. Um, so please double my money, please. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Nothing will make me happier than for you to get double what your original split was because you doubled mine. Yep. And uh, I, I do like that you don't, um, you know, not everybody's going to be good at underwriting, but at least you take a look at the deal. Um, because I, I hear so many LPs just go out there. They, they say, I trust this guy 
with blinders on and I'm not going to take a look at anything. Um, it is very important to at least take a look at the deal to make sure that, you know, GPs, they can make mistakes. And if there's a glaring mistake that they have made, um, even if they do have a good track record, it, you know, a track record does not mean that uh, you can you can fix an issue like exactly right now. Sorry. Oh, all right. Um, give me one second. All right. Technical issue fixed. My mic has been giving me hell and I am definitely going to be buying a new uh, something. I don't know. I got a really good, good mic, but it's been uh, it's been it's been feisty with me. So apologize for that one. But we are back in it. Uh, we've already talked about the jockey. We've talked about the horse. And now we're talking about the track, uh, which I like that you brought up the analogy of wrong side of the tracks because I have experienced that myself. Um a metro might be really good, but if you buy in the wrong area of that metro, you are in for some pain. Um, I yeah. my own experience in in Hot Springs um, with a self storage facility. I bought in an area. Hot Springs was doing doing pretty good, and this was a great deal. But I bought in an area that had a lot of property crime, and uh, we definitely experienced that. And so, um, what do you do to kind of verify that the that you're on the right right track? Or at least, yeah, at least so, the investment. So when I'm local, I drive it. Um, and when I'm not local, I try to find somebody that lives in the area. So, for example, my deal just outside of Charlotte, I knew a couple of people in Charlotte, um, sent them the address and said, what do you think of this area? And like everybody, everybody's reply was on fire, best area to put a new storage. Like it was like overwhelming. Um, so, you know, I was lucky to have that. Um, you know, and but it and any I know you can't always so drive it on Google Earth, look around on it's amazing. I, I drive all over the country on Google Earth and look at stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I get in there, I look at across the street, around the street, um, you know, just just to see where we are. Um, it's very important. Yep. Yeah. And one uh, one thing I like to do when I'm vetting a specific area is I call the police station and I call local property managers. Um, the yeah. police, you can ask, you know, hey, I'm looking at this property over on this corner. Tell me about that area. Do you guys get a lot of calls? What kind of calls do you get? Um, and then property managers, you know, they'll they'll be managing properties all over the city. And so if you can tell them the area that you're looking to buy in, they'll they'll give you an honest, uh, honest, you know, assessment of that area. So and, and then look at what's there, what's coming there. Right. Like, you know, Starbucks. Right. If you're near a Starbucks, you're in a good area. Those guys are smart. They know what they're doing. They're not putting a Starbucks in an area that can't afford people to buy five, six dollar coffees. Yep. Um, you know, and then, you know, different different types of tenants. Right. Like, you know, is a Home Depot there is a Lowe's there. Is did a new holiday Inn come in within the neighborhood or, you know, we're not buying properties near the, you know, Hyatt or the, the you know, the W, but, you know, who's there. Right. But if it's if it's, uh, you know, a rent by the hour hotel room next door, you probably want to move on. Yep. Yeah, I've always used the uh, the Walmart rule of thumb is if it's in within 10 miles of a Walmart, you're pretty safe because Walmart, they've got a huge team looking out for uh, for demographics and they're not going to put one of their stores in a dying area. That's for sure. So, yeah. And if you're driving the area, you, you know, and again, if it's a deep value add, you're looking for graffiti, closed businesses, um, you know, because obviously you're not going to see crime unless you go back at night. But if you can always drive day and night. Um, it's not easy, but often I'll show up at five o'clock if it's this time of year and by six o'clock it's dark and, you know, I walk it once in the light, sit in my car, make a call and then walk it once in the dark. 
Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Things definitely change when the, when the sun goes down, that's for sure. All right. So let's move on. Uh, we're running down the clock, but I, uh, I wanted to talk quickly about the GP side. <clears throat> I know that you, uh, you know, you've done a lot of LP investing. You've done a lot of pa- passive investing, but you've also ventured into being an active investor as a general partner. So what, um, what was the impetus for that? What kind of brought you to decide to move out of being a passive investor and be active in the uh, in the space? Yeah, so it was always the goal, right? To, to, kind of, I'm going to call it the retirement goal to switch over to the active place. Um, and then this crazy thing called COVID came along, <laughs> and I was looking over the cliff, going, "When will the right time?" You know, I just spent past 20 years with my company. When was the right time? Should I leave? And uh, COVID pushed me off the cliff. And I said, okay, at my age, I'm going to go work for some 20-some-year-old with an MBA and be very unhappy and maybe follow my track that I did for the last 20 years of my life, you know, not doing things for myself. And so I decided to make the move in. Um, and I want to be honest with people. A lot of people think this is easy. All the all of the people that teach you how to syndicate, you find some people, you find some money, you find a property manager, and you sit on the beach and you drink pina coladas. That is not true. That is not true. So my first GP deal, we fought with it for six months, couldn't close it, lost a total of $350,000 of which 75 was mine. Oh. I want to make sure all the passive investors know 100% of their money was returned to them within one week of the deal falling apart. Six months of my life, which put me, you know, and I, it was rough. And then my second deal um, was right as the interest rates were going crazy. And we couldn't raise enough money. And we ended up not deciding to put more money hard and chase it. Um, and so, you know, when you're going to go to the active side, it's it's a different world. You don't believe what the what the sponsor, what those, you know, sell, tell you. Yes, it's very profitable. Yes, it's a great business to get into. But it's a business. You're going to work. Absolutely. Um, and I always... You know, a lot of sellers will want shorter timelines with their due diligence. And you mentioned a few times uh, your earnest money there, and I always, always, always look for a longer period because things are uh, things are going to happen just all the time. It happens, and so you want to have that period, that a longer time frame um, to kind of allow shit to hit the fan and yeah. uh, and for you to change your plans. Um, I I try at minimum sixty days for my due diligence period. Uh, a lot of sellers want thirty days, and I just say no. If, we, if we're going to do this, we want at least sixty because I'm going to have to fly out there. I'm going to have to get all the reports, all this stuff, and it's going to take some time. So um, definitely watch out for your earnest money because that can uh, you know keep a timetable on everything, everything that's in the contract. Uh, make sure that you're you're on schedule with everything because uh, you can definitely lose a lot of money that way. All right. Well, hey, I do want to go farther into the GP side of things, but we have run down the clock. So it's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. It starts with books. I'm a big bookie or really any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate. Okay. So I'm going to have to give you two on the general life because you got to read them back to back. So And you got to do Audible, Grant Cardone's 10x. Mm-hmm. And then follow it up by listening to Be Obsessed or Be Average. Um, better than 10x, but doesn't make sense if you don't read 10x or listen to 10x first. And then on the real estate side, if you're a passive investor, James Kamasami wrote a book called Passive Investing, and it is the perfect overview of passive investing. And if you do want to get active, Joe Fairless, best ever syndication book. 
There you go. I love it. All great, uh, great recommendations. Is th- I haven't read Be Obsessed or Be Average. Is that oh, uh, um, Grant yeah. Cardone as well? Do it on Audible. Like if you've done 10x, do it. It it basically takes it and really gives you more life applications of how to apply it. Nice. I love it. All right. That moves us to the next question. This is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Trevor who was still working at iFly. He hadn't done any LP investing. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. There you go. The perennial advice. So if you're out there, you're listening to this podcast in your car or wherever you're listening to it, and you haven't done a deal yet, you should start counting the number of investors who come on this podcast and their advice to their younger self is, I wish I started earlier. So if you're out there, you haven't done something, go out there, just get something done. doesn't matter what it is. Just pull the trigger, get it done, get in the game because uh, that's when you start to get the experience. Moves us to the next question. This is for... Where are we? All right, there we go. This is uh, United States. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. So give me one metro you're most excited about investing in today. Um, Central Texas. I mean, that's Central where I'm Texas. from and I'm most excited. Yeah, the triangle down there is uh, yeah. it's killing it. It's, it's Everybody's moving here. It's got all the metrics. Yep, absolutely. I love Texas too. Next question is strengths. We are all gifted with strengths that we uniquely give this world. So what is your Superman strength? Yeah, I'm a networker. So I like to be a networker. And then I follow that up with connecting. I'm always connecting people. Absolutely. Real estate and every business is a relationship business. So if you want to have success, you got to be out there. You got to be meeting people. Next one is mentors. Uh, We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your real estate career? Yeah, so it would be James Kamasami, who I originally uh, gave the book of. All right. Shout out to James. Thank you for helping Trevor get to where he is today. And that leads us to the second to last question. This is about tools. Tools form the backbone of every business. So what is one tool you could not live without? Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> it's a good question because I'm, I, I would, I would say a, a biggest thing, cause I was a big mistake of mine not to have a good customer relation management tool, CRM. Mm-hmm. I missed that. And my first G, my first deal that I was, uh, I literally cut and paste emails. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was embarrassing. You know, I'm just not techie. Hey, so definitely good. a good system though, to track your contacts. And what is uh, what's the CRM you use? So I'm using Active Campaign, but there's a lot of good ones out there. Yep, absolutely. All right, that leads us to the last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, so the best is on LinkedIn. So you got to go K Trevor Thompson because I got the K in front of there, which is legal. My legal name is Keith. Never use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a YouTube channel with the same. And then. Um, the my Instagram is actually KTT Investments, Niger Investments. That's that's another company of mine. All right. K Trevor Thompson. I will put that link in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out to Trevor, just go ahead and click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. And in there you can find Trevor's URL. All right. Well, hey, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today. Thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. 
keep rocking real estate and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.